This morning, it's interesting, we're going to be talking about serving through exercising the gifts of the Spirit. And I thought, talking to this group about serving is like teaching secretariat to run. Little equestrian analogy from Louisville, Kentucky. But I say that only half-jokingly. So I was thinking, is this going to be instruction? Is this going to be an admonition? Is this going to be an exhortation? And I really want this to come across as a commendation that you will excel even more. And what a privilege this is. You should have received outlines. Be not dismayed. We're not going to try to go through every point on that outline. We are going to cover things that we trust will inspire, encourage you, instruct you with a view toward using it on other occasions for other purposes want it to be a resource for you. If you look at the introduction, as followers of Jesus Christ, born again from above, indwelt by the Holy Spirit, our lives should be characterized by regular experiences of God's manifest presence and power. It is His work in us that brings about transformation and his activity through us that brings about edification. We have the joy of receiving God's grace and then in turn exercising our gifts in service to others. The scriptures are clear and our text is a very brief one. 1 Corinthians 14.1 We are to pursue love and earnestly desire the gifts of the Spirit. Both are directives clearly given by the Word of God. Just a quick reminder from Exodus. Moses crying out to the Lord, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people of the earth? It's the indwelling presence of the living God. The fruit of his indwelling presence the fruit of the Spirit, the love and the joy and the peace, etc. It is also the gifts of the Spirit that display the manifest presence of God. So we are to pursue love and earnestly desire the gifts of the Spirit. Let me take just a moment to pray. Father, we first and foremost thank you for your amazing grace, for your sacrificial love that would send your only begotten Son to pay the penalty for our transgression, our offense, and our iniquity. Lord Jesus, thank you for the sufficiency of your sacrifice, for your shed blood, for your cross, for your perfect life, fulfilling all righteousness, that we might be clothed with the righteousness, not of our own, but that comes through faith in Christ. And Holy Spirit, thank you for your, first and foremost, revealing to us the glories of Calvary. Thank you for indwelling us and revealing to us the love of the Father and the grace of the Savior. Thank you for your persevering patience with us as you instruct and convict and empower. Father, we ask that you would, by the Holy Spirit, instruct us. Stir a passion, stir gifts, stir faith that we might go from here eager to pursue love and eager to share the spiritual gifts. We welcome you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Well, we are going to take a little bit of time to talk about the giver of the gifts before we begin to talk about the gifts themselves. And I want to begin with our relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I use those words intentionally. There is a relationship that we enjoy with the living God, the love of the Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And what we're going to talk about is just more of a reminder of what that looks like and how much of the, the Spirit that we're actually experiencing and displaying in ways that we might not even be aware of or regularly conscious of. We have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, beginning with the broad work of the Spirit, beginning with the most powerful and glorious of almighty works of the Spirit, and that's that we are born again. We are born again by the Spirit of God bringing life into dead souls. What we understand from the Scripture, illumination, our growth in godliness, sanctification, our knowing the will of God, guidance, our ability to serve others in power, impartation. These are all works of the Spirit. Have you ever thought about what happens in a quiet time? You open your Bible, you pray. And at the end of the time, you think, I met God. I know something more about the Lord. I am excited or I am convicted, but it's a grace-filled conviction. How did that happen? The Holy Spirit there with you, working, speaking, empowering, convicting. The Lord did not leave us as orphans. He left another to be with us and within us. So the work of the Spirit, as you are thanking God for what you are experiencing in His Word, as you are thanking God for what you experience in the preaching of His Word, in prayer, in fellowship, it's the work of the Spirit at work in you to bring glory to God and good to your brothers and sisters. We are reminded from Scripture to be filled with the Spirit. I realize I need to make that more of a prayer in my times alone with the Lord. Lord, open your word. Let me behold wondrous things from your law. Convict me where I need to be convicted. Guide me. But fill me. All that you want to do through me is going to require you being in me. So please fill me. Be in fellowship with the Spirit. Just that listening, that awareness, that reminders from the word. This is what Jesus said the Spirit would do. He would remind us of things that he's spoken to us. That's the Spirit at work. Be led by the Spirit. Pursue love and earnestly desire the gifts of the Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 13, we read a long list of what love is and what love isn't. And then he follows right after that with an exhortation. Do that, and one of the ways you do that is to pursue and eagerly desire the gifts. That should be a disposition of heart. The purpose and priority of the gifts of the Spirit, Wayne Grudem defines spiritual gifts any ability that is empowered by the Holy Spirit and used in any ministry of the church. Now, when you go into Scripture, 1 Corinthians, Romans, 1 Peter, you're going to see lists of gifts, but they're not exhaustive. They're representative. When Wayne Grudem says any ability that is empowered by the Holy Spirit and used in any ministry of the church, that could be viewed as a gift of the Spirit to the church. What we experienced today, as you walked in, there were gifts of the Spirit flying everywhere. Leadership, administration, music, mercy, encouragement. All of which is God touching and filling your brothers and sisters, coming alongside of you, and you go away encouraged. What happened? God is empowering His people to edify His people. We must be clear and convinced from Scripture about the vital purpose of spiritual gifts. And that's what I'm hoping to do this morning. Just to remind you, just to encourage you, just to exhort you, hopefully to stir faith. When you walk in on a Sunday morning, a couple of things. 
First of all, Lord, help me to love my brothers and sisters. What expression can I give of loving these dear people? And whatever way you want to do that, I'm available. Another thing is, do, I come, do we come in saying, Lord, I believe you want to use me to do that. You are a joint of supply in this church. If you're a member here, God has joined you with a purpose. And that's to be a means of grace and encouragement to your brothers and sisters. And that is apparent in everything that you do. We have spent two days with you, yesterday and today, and I see the encouragement and the laughter and the serving. So thank you for being predisposed to love as well as to serve. Now, the priority of the gifts, you look back at your outline. Number one, they are given for the common good. Everyone is to benefit. This morning we heard numbers of words from the prophecy mic, the ministry mic, and I know that there were certain people for whom they were specifically directed, but I sat there totally encouraged by everything that was shared by the other folks that came because God is encouraging his people and we are all built up with the awareness. He's aware, he's involved, and he's letting us know through our brothers and sisters. They're given for the common good. They're given to serve others. Now, I understand when people say, what is my spiritual gift? Well, I agree with that in the sense that it is mine on loan to be given to somebody else. It is not inherently mine. I was not born with it. It is not mine constitutionally. I am but a clay pot through which God can pour anything in and pour anything out that he desires. But, so they're given to serve others, not for some personal gratification, although few things bring us more joy and blessing than giving and serving. So I want to keep pushing you that way. They are to be exercised as an expression of love. The love for one another in this local church is so readily apparent. And your eagerness to give and serve, whether it's meals or encouragement or serving the community, is just apparent. But one of the ways that you show and demonstrate your love for one another is simply exercising the gifts that God has given you. And one of the things I'm hoping to do this morning is demystify this whole thing of gifts. So how does that happen and what's a gift and what's not and was that a gift and I don't know what I'm supposed to do. We're going to touch on that. Exercise to edify the church, to build us up, to remind us and reveal to us regularly God is with us. It's one of the wonderful blessings of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The gifts can evangelize the unbelieving. 1 Corinthians 14, 24 says that it will reveal the heart. So your love for one another, things that happen at the ministry mic, the way that you demonstrate care, the preaching of the word, unbelievers are convicted. They are drawn. So one of the primary, among many, one of the primary reasons that we want to make sure that we are serving and giving, whether it's at the mic or with one another, is unbelievers are watching. And can be provoked to know the living God because of their, dem- their awareness of his life through you. They're given that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. When we are experiencing, when we are displaying, when we are demonstrating the gifts of the Spirit, we're simply reminding our brothers and sisters that God knows. God is aware. God is involved. Now those are some of the purposes of the gifts, the priority of the gifts. Scripture reminds us Letter B, priority. Number one, we are not to be ignorant. So brothers and sisters, if you haven't read, if you haven't studied, there's work to do. We are not to be ignorant. So whether it's just reading through the passages that are noted in this outline, whether it's going to Wayne Grudem's Systematic Theology, which I think is the most accessible work, accessible work on the gifts of the Spirit, very easy. And he makes comparisons. So you're going to know other points of view by reading that. 
but we are not to be ignorant. They are to be earnestly desired. And I don't say this for the purpose of conviction, but one of the things we need to ask ourselves is, Lord, how often do I ask for the gifts of the Spirit? Anytime we're, with, we're going to your, your care group, you're coming to a Sunday meeting, you're getting together for hospitality, Lord, bless our time together. Grant whatever gifts that you choose to use to edify those that are going to be with us. Er, earnestly and eagerly desired. Given to each one. Each one. Everyone, every person born again from above is empowered with the Holy Spirit to, means of grace of to be a means of grace and encouragement to others. Now, that's a matter of faith, but it's also a matter of stewardship. Now, one of my, I, it is not my intention to everyone, for everyone to leave here kind of frantically, oh my gracious, what is my gift? Help me to know my gift. What am I supposed to be doing? No, it's going to be very natural. And we'll talk about how momentarily. But one of the ways to determine what your gifts are is to ask, where can I serve? Just begin to ask, where can I serve? I had thought about a couple of scenarios. Uh, let's say, for example, that right after this time together, we were going to have another church visit and join you for lunch. Now, for those of you who ears perked up when I said lunch, this is just fantasy, okay? It's, it's not true, all right? But they're coming, and that all the food was prepared and all the money was spent in the budget for it. And in the process of coming, there was an accident. The truck was wrecked. The food was gone. All the setup is not going to take place. There were a few people injured and the budget is gone. But those people are going to be here at about 2 o'clock. What goes through your mind is the next thing that needs to be done. Don't show of hands yet. But, but <laughs> yeah, call Nora. Right? <laughs> So when you, th when you think of that, when you think of the needs that just surface, whether it's financial, whether it's the meal, whether it's the food, whether it's serving, what goes through your mind as the thing, okay, this is the thing I'd like to do on the spot. Hold that thought for a minute. But serving is going to be one of the primary ways. And if you're not sure where to serve, ask the leadership team. What can I do? I would also encourage you, they are not, and they would be the first to say, they are not the embodiment of all creative ideas for what this church can be doing to serve. If you've got ideas about how to serve, how to build community, how to reach out into the neighborhoods, go to them. That could very well be the very work of the Spirit that God wants to reveal to take a next step forward as a church. But serving, we must. First of all, to emulate the Savior, but as a way to identify and display the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Given by the Spirit. They are given as He wills. This helps me tremendously because I look around and I see gifted people to do things. I would like to do that. I would like to try that once. One of the things that recognizing, and there are some things that I've tried only once, and my friends have confirmed to me that's not your gift. So that's, that's a very helpful experience. But given as he wills, helps me to fight, and this is not on your outline, but you can make note, it helps me to fight comparison, helps me to fight compete, competition, helps me to fight complaining, and helps me to fight boasting. Given as he wills, helps me to fight comparison, competition, complaining, and boasting. They're given as he wills. And whatever we do, whether it's a small task, large task, and I only say small and large, not great or small, 
they're given as he and his sovereignty and his wisdom determines the way that would bring him the greatest glory, us the greatest joy, and those that we're serving the greatest good. It's a humbling experience. Now, there may be things that God uses you for consistently. That aspect of whether it's serving or leading or exhorting or whatever the case might be. But what I don't want to do is limit God to saying, I only do one thing. Because the situation may warrant the need for another thing. Somebody comes to you and they want to be prayed for because they're sick. And you say, well, healing's not my gift. And that guy's not here, so come back next week. It's, you know, that's ludicrous. No, you ask for the gift in the moment. What do we need in the moment? Given as he wills. The church is built up as each part does its work. What role am I to play? What responsibility can I assume? What burden can I bear? What encouragement can I offer? What need I can meet? What role am I to play in this local church? That's a regular question. Should be. What responsibility am I to assume? What burden can I bear? What encouragement can I offer? What need can I meet? That's the pathway to displaying and experiencing and demonstrating the gifts of the Spirit. They are to be expected and exercised whenever you come together. If, if we leave this morning or you leave your small group, there should be some element of surprise that there wasn't something that happened. Now, typically, if you go to a care group, somebody's already served, somebody's already leading, so the gifts are there. But in terms of your interaction, Lord, we want to hear your voice. I want my brothers and sisters to be in some way built up and reminded of your nearness and your presence and your power. And if you would be pleased to use me that way, that would be a wonderful privilege. And so you pray and you ask and then you take a step of faith. They are to be stirred and kindled and fanned into flame. Yesterday, Betsy referenced the issue of fanning into flame embers of grace. I would say the same thing about gifts. You think, I'm not sure. I love doing this. I, don't, I haven't heard anybody speak about whether or not it's fruitful. Well, continue to do it and ask. Now, the practice of the gifts. There are so many serving gifts going on in this church. There's no way to enumerate them or to elaborate on them. And I just, again, want to commend you. I want to talk a little bit more about word gifts, specifically the gift of prophecy, because Paul also says that he speaks in tongue more than us all, but he wants everyone to prophesy. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean everybody goes to the microphone? No, it does not. It does mean that we are aware and attentive to things that God might want to say to a brother and sister, or to a small group, to a congregation, but we're listening. Lord, we're to encourage one another daily. Hebrews 13. So that we don't fall into deceitfulness of sin. And encouragement is not about pumping up our self-esteem. It's about reminding one another of the grace, active grace of God going on in one another's lives. So he is glorified. We are encouraged and inspired and provoked to love and good works by people coming alongside saying, God uses you in that way. Talking about the, the word gifts. Okay, how does God speak to us? Well, disciples, sheep, must live a life of listening. Jesus said that we would hear his voice and follow him. We listen, first of all, to hear what the Lord is saying to us personally. We must then be attentive to his voice for things he wants to say through us to others. Now, I, I would venture to say you look at this outline and each and every one of you would have some experience with how God speaks to us. 
Do we believe when we go to his word, when we come on Sunday, when we go to a care group, when we're extending hospitality, when we meet a brother or sister for lunch, is there an anticipation, Lord, give me ears to hear what you are saying to me? And in the same regard, we should also say, Lord, give me words that you want to say to my brother or sister. So the first way, the primary way that we hear God's voice is through his word. How many times have you come away from reading scripture and say, God spoke to me? Well, he speaks to us. He speaks to us at the Sunday preaching. He speaks to us in our quiet times. He speaks to us as someone shares in the community group, care group. Preaching and teaching. You ever notice you take notes when there's preaching and teaching, but you don't write everything down. You write a few things down. Why is that? Because certain things seem to be more clearly spoken to you than others. God's speaking. It's not that it's, there's only part of this that he wants you to get, but there are certain things that he speaks more specifically, more clearly, more applicably, if that's a word, to your next conversation. This is, this is what I want you to hear. In worship, we're singing this morning. God is reminding us and revealing himself to us. And singing affects us because we are speaking back to God what God has already said about himself. And we hear his voice and we find ourselves in tears and we find ourselves inspired. He's speaking. In fellowship, you ever get together with somebody and they share something? Oh, that's good. I need to write that down. Well, you don't say that about everything they say. We're not even going to comment on that. But there are some things that seem to touch you in a distinct way. And I, without over-spiritualizing, I'd venture to say and that's the way God speaks to us. Reading his word, reading anything, how many ways we can be inspired in a biography or some, some story that we're just aware, God, you are marvelous in your common grace and the way you use and you read stories of, of men who sacrifice that aren't even believers and you think, Lord, if they can do that, then certainly I as one saved and born again from above, I can do. we're just provoked just by reading. Meditation. You open God's word, you memorize a verse, and then you wait. And it might be quiet, and then suddenly there's some reminder, some word of application, some word of meaning. That's the way God speaks to us. I want us to be increasingly aware that because God's love is constant, he speaks constantly in some form or fashion. In prayer, we pray, ask for wisdom, guidance, ask for blessing, ask for, uh, you pray for others, and then you wait a moment, and you feel like God answered your prayer. Well, when we say God answered our prayer, God spoke. The God who created heaven and earth, the God who governs the nations, is attentive to you by name. He ha you, you have his ear, and he speaks. Prophecy and the gifts of the Spirit. Now, we know in part Prophecy does not bear the same authority, the same effect as the living and active word of God. And they are not to be compared as such. But God uses them to encourage his people. Prophecy. Waiting. Active activity and daily life. Observe with anticipation. Creation. The, the word that I shared, just watching falling leaves. And just attentive. Not perfectly. Not always. But just be aware. Now, how will I receive a word from the Lord? Okay, those are the ways God speaks to us. Now, how do I take that 
and share with others. What am I to be doing? In your outline, we rarely have the luxury of having a complete and detailed message when we begin to pray or minister in the Spirit. That's why they're called steps of faith. You're going to have to get out beyond what you know or even are comfortable with. We should have the confidence, however, and please hear this. If we ask for a fish, he will not give us a snake instead. And if we, though we are evil, know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will the Father in heaven give in the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The numbers of times after a Sunday meeting or after a care group, I've heard someone say, you know, I, I thought I had something, but I wasn't sure, and I didn't think it was right, and what if I mess up, and I don't want to hurt anybody. What did you ask for? I asked for a gift. What do you think he gave you? He asked for bread. He didn't give you a snake. He didn't give you something that was going to bite people. He gave you an answer to your prayer. So those of you who feel that God is using you or has stirred you with a desire for the gifts of the Spirit, and that's usually where it begins, folks. You have a desire, and thoughts come and words come. The next step is to say something. Just a simple word. We're going to talk about that as well. But if you're asking... And we should be asking. And when you sense in the slightest form God answering, the next step is activity. Whether it's speaking or serving or exhorting or reading or asking. All right. Well, how does God speak through us? And we've heard that a number of ways today. A scripture verse or passage. Don't complicate it. You watch somebody serving today. And you realize that most of the time they're serving in obscurity. So you just go up to them and say, you know what? God is not unfaithful to forget your work and labor of love which you have shown toward his name that you serve. You just read a verse and all you're saying is God's aware. The difference that makes in a person's life that they are not only blessing others but God is aware and God is pleased. Just reading a verse of scripture, a phrase. Maybe it's a, a, a line from a song. Just one little phrase of, of God's mercy or God has promised good to me. And then you realize that, okay, that's a word to me. And I want to share that. I don't know, you know, my brother or sister, that they're worried about their future. And you just go up to them and say, I, when I listen to that song, I want you to know God has promised good to you. A simple word. Just one word. Peace to you. Joy to you. The prophetic ministry team from the Philadelphia Church comes to serve the pastor's college every year. These folks are unusually gifted. There was a couple. Well, what happens is they come. They want the names and the faces of the people in the pastor's college, but they don't want any other details. So we gather all the people in the pastor's college, all the couples, and the, the ministry team from Philadelphia comes in, and we're waiting, and then they just begin to pray. And so one of the individuals comes up to the microphone and says, we believe that the Lord wants us to pray for a couple with a very sick child, critically ill. And just about the time the couple is about to raise their hand, the person points and is aware that this is who it is. So this couple comes up and the team is about to pray for them. And as they begin to pray without any awareness, they just begin to pray. God wants you to know that you are not going to lose hope. You will never lose hope in this. God is going to keep hope in your hearts, keep hope in your home. You will never lose hope. Little girl's name, hope. They did not know that. We were sobbing and sitting in the back. And time after time, they, without knowing it, are uttering this little girl's name, assuring the parents of God's awareness, God's involvement, and God's promise. Little girl is healthy. Girl, little girl is sustained. 
All they had was a word, not recognizing it was a name. A statement, God knows what you're going through. What an encouragement that is to a person who wonders whether or not God's even aware. Simple phrase, a picture or an image. I often laugh. Betsy is a student. She loves words. She reads. We, and I, I major in art. I like pictures. I mean, I'm sitting here distracted by the little mural on the wall in the back. So. <laughs> um, but when she gets prophetic words, she gets pictures. And I get thoughts. And I think, I can, can I see some of that? I mean, and, and, you know, that's why I go back to comparing and complaining and... Um, but, but there's just, she'll get a picture. And she, in her mind, in her soul, there's this image that's vividly clear. And she begins to talk about it. And it's almost like she talks about a meadow. You can begin to smell the flowers and to hear the birds. And, and it's just vivid. Others, it could be just, I, I have, like when I was talking about leaves, it wasn't as if I saw a picture. There was thought of brilliantly colored leaves. Words, pictures. Just share what you see. Could be an action or an activity. I see you doing this. It could be a song. Now, there, the scripture talks about measure of gift, okay? <laughs> you don't want me exercising the gift of a prophetic word in song. It wouldn't edify anybody. I would encourage you, those of you who know that you're gifted musically, you sing, be attentive, especially in your care group. A prophetic song. It could be, it's, it's the words that God has given you put to music. That, I know, to some would seem so awkward. Wait, wait. Okay, Gary, there's 20 of us in a living room, and we're praying, and all of a sudden, I'm going to lead out in a song. Exactly. You know the difference melody makes when you hear a song. And there are times when God wants to meet us by taking the words that he has given and just put them to a tune. Now, I will be very surprised, I will be very disappointed if over the next number of months I don't hear that there are some of you that are stepping out in song. You're gifted. How does God want to use the gift? I'm not going to go into great detail on an unknown tongue. Those are utterances that are Godward, Godward with an interpretation. A lot of times I think there can be a confusion that we can prophesy in an unknown tongue. Well, the scripture says that they are utterances toward God. So whether it's praise or prayer, um, and I will leave that to your leadership team to explain to you. And it could be just a prayer, praying for someone. I remember at at one of the pastor's conferences, CJ had asked all the pastors to come up, or a group of pastors, a particular group to come up front and that the rest of us would pray for them. And so as CJ was watching, I was kind of standing on the periphery waiting. And he said, and he, Gary, what are you waiting for? Just jump in and pray. And I said, well, I don't, I don't feel like I have anything yet. He said, just jump in and start praying. God will give you something. So when we pray for one another, one of the things we pray for is Holy Spirit, show us how to pray. We don't know how to pray as we ought. The Holy Spirit shows us. He empowers us. So we simply ask. And in your outline, don't go there now, but there's a whole addendum of the things that the whole, numbers of things that the Holy Spirit does. Just ask Him to do that. Lord, guide us into truth. Teach us. Remind us of things that we need to hear. Whatever it is that you see the Scripture already says that He does. Just pray. A name. 
It may be coming to the microphone and you just think, I, Lord, I think the Lord wants us to pray for Larry. Then, of course, you've got multiple choice there. And, uh, <laughs> which, you know, but it could be that simple. And maybe that's all you've got. What I'm hoping you're hearing is that this is a lot simpler than we often make it. And God is eager to bless his people. And those are some of the ways that he speaks to us and through us. Now, how many of you have ever shared what you believe and what others have attested has been a prophetic word? Don't be shy about this. Okay. Now, I'm going to put some of you on the spot. How many of you have a desire for that gift just haven't stepped out yet? Okay, most of you. Okay. Okay. How many of you thought at at some point that you had a prophetic word but you didn't share it? Shame on you. <laughs> no, I, I, want, I want you to be encouraged. The fact that you felt God spoke to you, that, Lord, I think this is you. I want that to encourage you. Perhaps you didn't share it, but you're listening and you're hearing. Next stop is speaking. The gift of prophecy and prophetic ministry on your outline. We've been through some of this. Very quickly, the purpose is edification, comfort, exhortation. The person prophesying, now this would be particular in a meeting and praise God that you have a leadership team that is attentive to these things. The person prophesying, proven, motive, relationship. As you are growing, there are going to be folks who come and visit and it's up to the leadership team as to whether or not something is shared at the microphone. This is not a perfect art by any means. And sometimes we get it wrong, but that's where we're going to have to trust God. If you say, well, look, I believe the Spirit of God spoke to me. And what are you doing saying no? Well, I believe the Spirit of God spoke to me. And no. You know? <laughs> and because these men are praying. They're not quenching the Spirit. There's a lot of prayerful preparation that goes into gathering like this. So they're being attentive throughout as to what and when God might speak. The practice and prophetic ministry, it's always going to be consistent with Scripture. God is not going to contradict himself. It's going to be consistent with leadership. If there's not going to be just a disruption to a corporate gathering when the men have prayed and determined that this seems to be the direction that God is leading. Consistent with prescribed order. There are times and places for those things to be shared and consistent with measure of gift. If you're not sure whether or not you have a prophetic gift, don't start here. Start in your community group. Start at your dinner table. Start with an evening of hospitality. Personal and directive prophecy. Prophecy is not a substitute for Scripture. You don't give a word of prophecy the same authority that has to be acted on in the way that we are called to obey God's Word. It's not a substitute for prayer. Asking God. If you're looking for wisdom, don't simply wait. I'll move when I get a prophetic word. No, pray, ask God for guidance, and then use the means that He has provided for guidance, which is a multitude of counsel. Directive prophecy is not a substitute for clearly defined relationships. If I come up with something that I believe that God is calling me to do or say or someplace to go, first person I'm going to talk to is my wife. Then I'm going to talk to the pastors around me and the friends around me that God has put in my life for counsel and for safety and for wisdom. And it would be, it would be a foreign thought to me to say in light of all the counsel and all the advice 
and all the relationships, they're saying this, but I'm still saying this. I would simply say, Lord, I will wait until there's some affirmation or confirmation of what it is that you have called me to do. Clearly define relationships, a multi multitude of godly and mature counsel. <clears throat> Moving on, they are not a substitute for these things. Personal prophecy usually confirms rather than directs or predicts. Our authority is confined to calling individuals to obey scripture, not obey a prophetic word. You lay that before the word of God, you lay that before your brothers and sisters, etc. A word involving a specific direction or prediction for an individual's life or future, I would encourage you to submit that to the person's pastor first before you start talking about some life-altering direction and decision. Just say, here's what I'm sensing. And there have been times when I said, yeah, I think knowing what I do, I think that would be relevant. Or I would wait on that. There are other things going on. This wouldn't be the time to introduce that. Now, that's subjective. And some would say that's quenching the spirit. But I'm believing that God is not just using that individual. He's using pastoral care. He's using history of relationships. He's using joints of supply, those to whom God has joined us. Ministering to others, and we're not, we're not going to step into this. Always be alert, and there's just some general procedure for prayer. And a lot of that would go on, like if the leadership team says, we're going to pray for one another after the meeting. There's some suggestions there. Now, getting started, stepping out in the gifts. Where do we begin? Well, we've already talked about pursuing love. Lord, thank you for my church. Thank you for my small group. And I assemble with them. I want them to be in some way aware of your love for them, whether it's in their struggle or their suffering, their disappointment, whether it's in their provision and prosperity. I want them to be more aware of you than of anything. How can I come expressing your love for them? How can I bring you glory? How can I bring them good? That should be a disposition of heart. Resist fear, unbelief, double-mindedness, expressions of fear. You pray, you ask, the word comes, and then you take a step back instead of forward. Folks, is there any group of people with whom you would feel more comfortable than the people sitting around you? If there's a place where you can make a mistake and feel safe doing it, it's here. Because if there is a need for an adjustment or, or some clarification, these are the folks you want to give. But you're not going to learn and get it perfect before you act. You're going to perfect and grow, or increase in perfection and grow as you take steps. There is no way to grow to maturity other than trying and at times failing. Resist pride. Pride, fear, they're probably twin brothers. Because we make it about us. I don't want to look bad. I don't want to make a mistake. I don't want to goof up. I don't want to be embarrassed. Folks, that's where the love and the glorifying God come in. To put away fear for their good. Expect God to use you. For all the reasons we've already cited. Be leaning forward. When you get together... The disposition of heart, the disposition of soul, the disposition of body should be leaning forward so that at the slightest breath of the Spirit, you're going to speak. You're not going to be in your seat with the seat belt buckled and the harness on and it's going to take a typhoon to blow you out of the seat and get you to say something. 
that the slightest prompt, because we're inclined to love, we're inclined to serve, that when God says, this is the word, you're going to go. Give a brief introduction. As I was praying, as I was waiting, as we were singing, I feel like the Lord wants to say something. It's that simple. Present your thought as an impression, idea, or feeling. I believe the Lord wants to say something. I think the Lord wants to speak to certain people. I sense the Holy Spirit is wanting to minister to a group. It's that simple. Some brief introduction to clarify what is happening. Check with someone in leadership if you're not sure. In the Sunday meeting, that should be the practice. You go to the, one of the team members, let them know what's going on. You saw that happen. And off people went to the microphone. Ask a question. You're in your care group. And you're thinking, Lord, I, I think, okay, is, is anybody suffering with sickness? And so you say, I believe the Lord wants to minister to the sick. Is anyone here in the room sick? And nobody raises their hand. You go, well, I didn't think so. And you know, <laughs> that's the kind of step you're going to have to take. And if the, the fact that you were attentive to the possibility that someone might be afflicted and could be prayed for, it's just a wonderful encouragement. You might not necessarily get it perfectly right. Write it down. You're in your quiet time. A word comes. Now, one of the things that Bob Coughlin has helped me with is prophetic words are often sudden, clear, and brief. Now, when we say sudden, it can say that if it's not spontaneous, it's not prophetic. But God can speak to you on Wednesday to share something on Sunday. Write it down so that you don't forget it. Encourage others. The folks that shared this morning... There were a number of gals that came to the microphone. Encourage them. Thank them. If there was a specific application to you, make sure they know that. Make sure they hear that. The fact that they got up, the fact that they walked to this microphone, encourage them for their faith and their eagerness to, to honor the Lord. Don't limit God and ask for whatever gift the situation requires. We have limitations. He does not. Anything that is being done for his glory is being done through frail pots of clay. That's always the case, whether it's the moving of a chair or the prophetic ministry. But don't limit him. What is it that he wants us to do in the moment? Be willing to make a mistake. I've referenced this a couple of times, and I have my own personal illustrations of doing this very thing. <clears throat> Sunday morning. Since I have something, I go to the guy leading worship. I said, I believe I have something, but I'll let you know. I'll nod if I'm to come up. So we're singing, and he looks over at me, and he's, you know, he says, yeah, come on out. And I'm thinking, no, I don't think this is for now. And this kind of goes back and forth. And then I realize, okay, in response to what I've just shared with you folks, I just said, I was thinking to myself, okay, maybe he's aware of a direction we're going to go, and the word that I shared would be helpful. So I walk out in front of about 2,000 people and I take the microphone and I get into about a sentence and a half and I just stop. I just said, this isn't for now. And I handed him the microphone and went back to my seat. Now, I'm sure everybody's wondering, what's up with that guy? I mean, why did he even get up there? Well, it's because I did as much as I knew to do in the moment and it just wasn't the time. It wasn't a word for now and back I went. Was it, there's a, an uh, a Bible teacher years ago would say that failure is never fatal, success is never final. 
That's a good word to keep in mind. Folks, we're going to be tripping and stumbling, but steps of faith keep moving us forward even if we feel like we're stumbling in the process. Ask for an evaluation. When you sit down, I would encourage you, well, I almost got into this yesterday. I'm going to take a little detour back to the marriage seminar. <clears throat> but anytime we're in a, in, um, a conversation or in a small group and we share at length, ask for an evaluation. How do you think that went? Anything I could do differently. You're not fishing for compliments. What you're doing is say, I want to improve. You're having a conversation. You're having a conflict. Anything I could have done differently. That was one of the points I made. Well, when you're stepping out on the gifts, you just simply ask someone afterwards, someone that you know and trust, what do you think? <clears throat> ask for an evaluation. One of the things that the men around me have helped me with is there are times when I can go to the microphone and instead of being, con being content with and having faith for one simple word or phrase, I decide I want to embellish it. I want to teach them. I want to pastor them. I want to make sure they get it. And so on and on I go. And I remember after one Sunday meeting, John Loftus and I were walking across the parking lot and he put his hand on my shoulder. And he said, Gary, that was a great word you shared all three times that you shared it. Because I just kept repeating myself. I was glad and I was served by that. Folks, stir the gifts and look for the next opportunity. For the glory of God, to make people more aware of the Lord, to encourage your brothers and sisters, to express the power and presence of the risen Savior, to pursue or display your love and affection for others. Let's eagerly and earnestly and fervently desire the gifts of the Spirit.